I'm here to preach. You got it. <laughs> Amen and amen. Thank you so much, choir. We're grateful for that message and song. We're continuing a series today as we've been looking at the emotions of Christmas and we're looking at the topic of worry. Last week we looked at anticipation and we saw that Isaiah was anticipating, he's expecting comfort and contentment and his coming and we see how we're expecting some of those things as way but as well but today of course we're looking at uh worry now in case you're thinking well well, pastor you must if you're going to preach on worry then you must never worry well I, i must tell you that i come from a long line of worriers my mama and my grandma and my grandma on my father's side actually was the queen of all worriers and, uh, but she's with the Lord now, no worry anymore for her. But she taught me good uh, how to worry. But uh, uh, I ran across a little uh, something this week as I was thinking about uh, worry that, that you might need to worry if, and just had a few little things that came uh, in this little illustration, you might need to worry if you have to hitchhike to the bank to make your car payment. You might need to worry if people send your wife sympathy cards on your anniversary. You might need to worry if a black cat crosses your path and drops dead. You might need to worry if a plumber floats by on your kitchen table. You might need to worry if the pest exterminator crawls under your house and never comes out. You might need to worry if a copy of uh, your birth certificate comes in the mail marked null and void. You might need to worry it if it takes you three hours to make minute rice. You might need to worry. You might need to worry if your wife tapes your picture to the dartboard or if she wraps your lunch in a road map. You might need to worry if your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. And you might need to worry if the bird singing outside your window is a vulture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say you might need to worry if those were the case. But really today, we're going to look at worry and how Christmas can stir up that emotion of worry. It can cause us to worry. We worry about, are we going to get the, the right gift? If we get that gift, will it be the right kind of gift or the right size? Are we going to spend too much money? Do we need to, how, this Christmas season, are we going to be able to keep up with all the different events that we've We've got going on, hope, hope I don't forget anything. What if I forget something? Or, or how will that, uh, when we gather together as a family, how will that uh, crazy uncle or crazy cousin, uh, uh, crazy grandmother act, you know, during that time? How's this all going to work? Can we keep up with the other people and all that they're getting? Are we going to get the same things? Are their kids going to get what our kids get? And all that sort of thing. So today, we see that one of the people from the Christmas story who finds himself in a situation that likely... Uh, caused some worry, some anxiety, and some stress. Joseph. Joseph has heard, he has just heard some distressing news. But God sent an angel of the Lord to him with a message. And it was a message that relieved that stress, that relieved that worry, and it caused a shift in Joseph's thinking. 
Well, what was it that the angel said and what did it cause Joseph to do? Well, let's see this passage and may we be challenged to heed the message for us today. So if you would, in honor and reverence to the word of God, if you're able, if you'd stand as I read for you Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and we read, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that there is no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would just use this time together, that we would be refreshed in our spirit, that you would speak to our hearts and help us to hear from you. And to sense, Lord, that you are in our midst and that you're working in our lives. Lord, we know that there's a very busy time for so many people at Christmas time. We pray, Father, you'd help us just to put the distractions of life aside for a little while. That we may hear your voice and may you draw us to yourself. If there are those here today who don't know you, Lord, we pray this is the the time of salvation for them. And for those of us, Lord, who maybe are worrying about something today, who have anxieties or stress, and we just keep adding more to it, we pray, Father, that you would help us to hear from your word this morning and speak to us. But we also pray, Father, where there needs to be conviction in our hearts, where there needs to be comfort or encouragement or calling out, Lord, may you have your way in us. Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see uh, in the bulletin there, there is an outline today uh, of uh, different things of the, uh, for today's message, and I wanted to share with you uh, this emotions of Christmas worry, and the first thing that we're going to look at is remember. Remember. In verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, after his ma- mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, some background is probably necessary uh, in this as we think about this idea of betrothal. Uh, It's not something that we typically have in America today in our culture, or I'm not sure how many cultures would actually use it today, but in betrothal in that day, it it meant more than being engaged. Uh, it was a formal step in the marriage process, taken very seriously in that culture. And a betrothal was legally binding. So binding that if a woman's fiance died, she was considered to be a widow. If you got cold feet, you couldn't just call off the wedding. You had to, it had to be terminated by divorce during the, when the per- people were in this betrothal time. 
In some areas, the wedding ceremony was held at the beginning of the betrothal, but then for one year, the bride would continue to live in her parents' home and her mother would prepare her for all the duties and the responsibilities that marriage would bring for her. And then to complete the betrothal, on that appointed day, the young husband would go to his bride's father's house, get his wife, he would walk with her to his own home where they would consummate the marriage physically and then begin their life together as husband and wife. And so this story here takes a huge turn for Mary and Joseph. There is a lot of emotion in this fact-filled sentence in verse 18 where it says that after his mother married, speaking of Jesus, was betrothed to Jesus, when Mary was betrothed to Jesus, I mean to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of emotion there. Then Joseph, her husband, being, full, being a just man and not wanting to make a public her example, was minded to put her away. So you can see something going on there. So, so just picture what's happening here in Joseph's uh, mind and in his heart. Think about it if you were Joseph, okay? Uh, you live in a small town where everyone knows everyone else's business. You're engaged, and one day... Your fiance tells you, now, Joseph, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Joseph looks at her and she says, bad news is I'm pregnant. But the good news is, even though you're not the father, I have not been unfaithful to you. Now, just put yourself in Joseph's position as he hears this. Can't you just imagine what Joseph is thinking? You're what? What? But you haven't... What do you mean? No, no. So how could... What would you say? Can't you imagine what Joseph is thinking as he is in this betrothal process and he's anticipating her to be his wife? And, and Mary then would have said, Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but an angel came to me and said that rejoice, Mary, you have found favor with God and you're going to have a miracle baby conceived by the Holy Spirit and all generations will call you blessed. So, as you put yourself in Joseph's place, what were his emotions? What must he do? Do you think that at this moment in his life that he is just a tad bit stressed, a tad bit worried, a tad bit anxious? Yes, I think so. Let's look again, verse 19 and 20. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, a good man, a righteous man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He could have taken her before the whole community and and divorced her. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So let's just dive in here in verse 20 especially and see what the angel was saying to Joseph. And in the midst of his worry, in the midst of his stress, how it was that he was able to handle of that worry and how that applies to us. So the first thing we see here, uh, under the, the, the topic of, of remember, see here that the angel says this to Joseph. The angel says, Joseph. The angel calls Joseph by name. Don't we like it 
when people call our name. We like it when people know who we are. And as the angel speaks to Joseph, it is an indicator in his heart that this angel knows who he is, which means since it is the angel of the Lord, God knows who he is, right? He knows his name. He speaks to me. So friends, listen, the first thing here that we need to remember is that we need to remember that when we are facing the stresses of life, he knows who you are. God knows who you are. You need to know that he knows your past, he knows your present, and he knows your future. He knows you. God knows you. But then also the angel says, not only Joseph, but the angel says, Joseph, son of David. Now, why in the world would he say son of David? Because David was not his father, but rather Joseph is a descendant of David the king. And so what the angel is doing is not only does he reminding Joseph that God knows who you are, but he is reminding Joseph of his lineage. The Messiah is prophesied, if you remember, to come from the line of David. And so the angel was reminding him not only that God knows who you are as he called him by name, but he was reminding Joseph, Joseph, you need to be reminded of who you are. You see, in the worries of life, we need to remember who we are. That when we know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we are a child of the King. No matter what it is that we are worrying about this Christmas, friends, we need to remember that He knows, that the Lord knows who you are, but you also need to remember who you are. As his child, you need to remember that he loves you, that he accepts you, that he has forgiven you, and that you are his. You need to remember who you are. As one who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, remembering and trusting that he died on the cross for you and rose again bodily from the grave, you are his child. You need to also remember that not only are you his, but that he has accepted you. In John 1.12, it tells us that we're a child of God. As we know Jesus Christ is, is our Savior in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, it tells us that you have been bought at a price and that you belong to him. In John 15, 15, it tells us that if we know Jesus, you're a friend of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it tells us that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and that we have been redeemed and forgiven of all of our sin. In Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16, it reminds us that we have direct access to him where we may come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need to remember that we are his, that he has accepted us, but also that he is our security. In Romans 8, 28 tells us that, reminds us that we are assured that God works for our good in all circumstances. We also are reminded in Romans 8, 31 through 39, that we are free from any condemnation by the accuser and that there is nothing that can separate us from Christ's love for us. We're reminded in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22, that tells us that we have been established and anointed and sealed by God. He is our security. In Philippians 1, 6, we can be confident that God will complete the good work that he has started in me. You see, friends, we need to remember who we are in Jesus Christ. Not only do we need to remember that we are accepted by him, we're secure in him, but also that we are set apart for him. 
that he has set us apart, John 15, 5, as the branch of Jesus Christ who is the true vine. He has set us apart in John 15, 16 to bear fruit as one of his chosen. We're set apart in Ephesians 2, 10 as his workmanship. He, we are his poem created in Jesus for good works, being able to do, Philippians 4, 13, all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you see, friends, as you go through the worries of life, whether that is in Christmas time or any other time of the year, we need to remember as, as God was sending that message to Joseph, Joseph, remember Joseph, who knows you. God knows your name and knows all about you. But also, Joseph, you need to remember who you are. You're the son of David. And from your line, Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. And so, Christian, you need to remember who knows you, that our God knows who you are. He knows your past, your present, your future. He knows everything there is to know about you. But then what we tend to forget is who we are in Christ. You also need to remember who you are in Jesus Christ, that you are God's instrument that he has created and set you apart to be used for his glory. And some would say, well, you know, are you sure about that, pastor? Are you sure about that? Who, who me? You know, I'm just, God would use somebody like me. I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just an ordinary lady. I'm just an ordinary man, whatever. Let me, let me tell you something. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Doesn't he? God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. So, so when, it's, when we think that we got to be worrying about something, remember who knows you and remember who you are in Jesus Christ. And then secondly, not only do we need to remember, but we need to relax. We just need to relax. In verse 20, again, where the angel speaks to Joseph, speaking truth into his life, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid, Joseph, of this news. Do not be afraid to do what I have called you to do. Do not be afraid of what people will say. Do not be afraid of how people will act. Do not be afraid of what you're going to have to deal with in this community where people are talking. Joseph, do not be afraid, but trust me. That's what he's saying. You see, friends, all throughout the scripture, we see God's fear nots. And it's probably because that all through our lives, we struggle with fears. We deal with things to worry and stress over, but as Christians, we are worrying needlessly. Y'all with me this morning? Am I, am, I, am I with you? Okay, good. All right, great. Now, I understand that there's sometimes that there are situations where people really do need some medicine to deal with anxiety or, or they need to see excellent Christian counselors, and I believe in that, uh, to help people walk us through stuff. But here specifically, I'm talking about worrying and fretting over issues that are needless and pointless. Now, chances are that you, you folks probably have no idea what I'm talking about because you never worry about a thing. Amen? Oh, we could just quit right now, couldn't we? Pastor, you just preach to the choir here. You know, ain't nothing to worry about. These, you know. Well, if, I, if you're like me, there are times when we do worry and we have to realize that we're worrying needlessly and pointlessly. Someone once said, however, this, that the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety or worry. 
Now, worry and faith really are on opposite sides of the spectrum. Now, that's not to say that if we're worrying that we're not saved. That's not what we're saying at all. It's not, or that we have faith in Jesus. But rather, too often, our attention is misguided and we are looking in the wrong direction. We are worrying about things that we don't need to worry about. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we just get so worried about things. But too often, instead of relaxing or resting in him, resting in his sovereignty, resting in his control, resting in his work, resting in his will, we are worried about us. We're worried about our comfort. We're worried about our satisfaction. We're worried about our desires. And this worry about things in life, this anxiety over issues that we're facing, it even has the potential to cause us to sin. John Piper in, uh, just recently wrote uh, about anxiety or worry, and he said, Stop for a moment and think how many different sinful actions and attitudes come from anxiety. He said, anxiety about finances can give rise to coveting and greed and hoarding and stealing. Anxiety or worrying about succeeding at some task can make you irritable and abrupt and surly. Anxiety about relationships can make you withdrawn and indifferent and uncaring about other people. Anxiety about how someone will respond to you can make you cover over the truth and lie about things. So if anxiety or worry could be conquered, a lot of sins would be overcome. And so the question then for us is, how do we move from worry to faith? How do we move from one end of the spectrum to the other? How do we get from our fears to God's fear nots? How do we overcome our worries? Well, the world thinks it has the answers. And sometimes we fall in with that, and we tend to think the same thing. We think sometimes that if we just had enough power, I wouldn't have any more worries. If I were big enough, if I were strong enough, if I was like Popeye and ate more spinach, and I could just you know, go out there and just be that guy, which I'm not, by the way, I would not have to worry. Be all kinds of power there. Or maybe it's through possessions, The world thinks if it's not through power, then it's the things that we have. If I just had more resources, if I just had more money, things would be better. I wouldn't have to worry if I just had more money. Or maybe it's through popularity. If I just had more clout, if I just had more prestige, or if I just had a platform where people could see me and hear me and know that I'm a good person, if I just had that popularity, then I wouldn't have any more worries. If I had these, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. But Max Lucado in one of his uh, devotions said this, can power, possessions, or popularity really deliver us from our fears? If power could, then Joseph Stalin should have been fearless. Instead, the infamous Russian premier was afraid to go to bed. In order to fool any would-be assassins, he slept in a different room every night. If possessions, having more resources, conquered fear, the late billionaire Howard Hughes would have been fearless. But his distrust of people and his paranoia of germs led this billionaire to Mexico where he died a lonely death as a cadaverous hermit with a belly-length beard and corkscrew fingernails. Beatles, uh, John Lennon's fame as a singer and songwriter and pop icon made him very popular and a household word. But his fears brought him misery. 
His biographers describe him as a frightened man, unwilling to sleep with the lights off, and afraid to touch anything because of its filth. You see, friends, we cannot find rest from our worries in the ways of this world because they will not last. They will not last. But rather, we can and we must relax by replacing our worry with the promise of his word for his children. Amen? That's where it comes. We are to remember that he knows who we are and remember who we are in Jesus Christ, but we also need to relax by replacing the worry with the promise of his word for his children. Now, let me just uh, quote some scriptures for you, and you can just write down these references as a prescription for worry or prescription for fear in the days ahead. First one, Psalm 37, 7. The first part of that says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Second one, Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4 says, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. In Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3, the first part of verse 3 says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. And I like this, watch. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. How about that now? What a promise from the word of God. And then 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Friends, how do we move from worry to faith? How do we move from being fearful to God's fear nots? We remember who, that he knows who we are, but also remember who you are in Jesus and replace those worries with the promise of the word and relax and rest in him. Because listen, God is greater. God is bigger than my worries. He is right in all that he does and he is merciful towards me always. Replace the worry with his word and relax in him because you need to know he's got this. Amen? He's got this. Rest in him. And so looking at this event in the life of Joseph, we can learn how to deal with worry as we remember. The Lord knows who you are, and then remember who you are in Jesus, but also relax, replacing worry with his word and fear not. But then thirdly, refocus. Refocus. Verse 20 and 21, again, at the end part of that, after he says, the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you should call his name 
Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so what he's saying is, for that which is conceived, you must, you shall, you are to call his name Jesus, for he will save. He will rescue his people from their sins. And this message from God, the angel of the Lord is telling Joseph what is happening here in his life and with Mary and this betrothal ceremony and and the marriage that is to take place. He is saying to him what this is all about. And the focus of what the messenger of the Lord is saying is this. Here's the focus. Jesus will save people from their sins. That's the focus here. So this thing that's happening, Joseph, well, Joseph, it's really bigger than you, but I have chosen you to be a part of it. This deal that you've been handed, Joseph, well, it's all been planned and you have been set apart to be used by God in this plan. But ultimately, Joseph, this is not about you. It's all about Jesus. And so here's the right focus, Joseph. Jesus, the Savior, God with us, well, that Jesus will be born and he will save his people from their sins. He will rescue from the penalty of sin. And that is what this is all about. So, uh, Joseph, so are you getting that now? And so, friends, listen. If you were Joseph and you could be in our place some 2,000 years later, looking back to who Jesus was and what he would do, do you think Joseph would still be worried? Not likely. If Joseph, who hears this, could could fast forward somehow to our day and then look back to what Jesus did and who he is, do you think Joseph would have been worried? Not likely, because he would then see the big picture that it was all about Jesus. Now, friends, listen. Here's the deal. No matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what worries you have, you can't see the big picture yet. Okay? You can't see the big picture yet, but we can know this, that it's not about us, and it's all about Jesus. So too often, we find ourselves getting caught up worrying about this, fretting over that, losing our cool, lashing out, stressing over things that we should relax about, and we need to refocus Because this life that God has blessed us with, it really is not about us. That we are here for His glory and it's all about Him. But He still uses broken, ordinary people to reveal Himself to this world so that we can meet people where they are and point them to Jesus and tell those people that no matter who you are, No matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, Jesus came to say to you, I love you, I forgive you, I pay for your sins and the debt of your sins, and I am the way for you to be made right with God. Friends, trust Jesus. When faced with worry, no matter how big or how small, remember he knows you, he knows who you are, And you need to remember who you are in Jesus. Relax, resting in the promise of his word because he cares for you. And refocus, remembering that it's all about Jesus and his glory. We need to trust him. And as Joseph woke from his dream, now look at this. As Joseph woke from his dream, what did he do? 
Diddy said, well, that was interesting. I shouldn't eat that cake last night. And then went about his business and put away Mary. That's not what he did. Did he run? Did he try to escape? No. He had, fourthly, resolve. He was resolved to obey the Lord. He heard from the Lord. He acted on that faith. Verse 24 and 25 says, Joseph, being roused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph moved forward in faith. So, friends, no matter what it is that you're dealing with, you need to do the same thing. Be resolved to obey the Lord and move forward in faith because we have a Father who loves us. And our Father who loves us is still in control. He's still on the throne. I just recently heard this in a couple places, so maybe you've heard this too, an illustration that a pastor shared where he had been on a flight uh, that was rather turbulent. And, but uh, as he was on this flight, uh, the sign on the airplane on the inside flashed, fasten your seatbelts. And then after a while, there was this calm voice uh, that said, we shall not be serving the beverages at this time because we're expecting a little turbulence. Please be sure your seatbelt is fastened. And as he, as he looked around, he said, it became obvious that many of the pastors became a little apprehensive about what was happening. And later, the voice on the announcer said, we're so sorry we weren't able to serve the meal at this time. The turbulence is still ahead of us. And then the storm broke. Uh, the ominous cracks of thunder could be heard even above the, above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the dark skies. And within moments, that great plane, he said, was like a cork tossed around in the ocean. One minute, the airplane was lifted on terrific currents of air. The next, it dropped as it was about to crash. The pastor said that he shared the discomfort and fear of those around him. And as he said, he looked around the plane. He could see that nearly all the passengers were upset and alarmed that some were praying, the future was just uncertain for them at that moment. Then he said, suddenly, I saw a little girl. And apparently the storm meant nothing to her, that she had simply tucked her feet beneath her as she sat on her seat. She was reading a book, and everything within her small world was calm and orderly. Sometimes she would close her eyes, he said, and then she would read again, and then she would straighten her legs. But worry and fear were not in her world. When the plane was being buffeted by the terrible storm where it lurched this way and that way as it rose and fell with frightening severity, when all the adults were scared half to death, that marvelous little child was completely composed and unafraid. The minister could hardly believe what he was seeing. It's not surprising, therefore, that when the plane finally reached its destination and all the passengers disembarked, that he lingered a while to speak to the little girl uh, whom he had watched for such a long time. And having Went up to the little girl. He commented about the storm and the behavior of the plane. He asked her, he said, you know, why, why were you not afraid? And she said, because my daddy's the pilot and he's taking me home. <laughs> now, friends, let me just ask you a question. Is the Lord God Almighty your father? And is he taking you home? Yes, he is. Why worry? He's got this. Amen? He's got this. Now, friends, do you know Jesus? We are made his children through God's Son, our Savior Jesus, through a step of faith. The step of faith is S-T-E-P, sinners turning while embracing and professing. It's very simple. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23.
The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through in Christ Jesus our Lord. The turning is that we are to turn to the Lord from our sins, and that's repentance. The Bible says in Acts three nineteen, repent therefore and be converted that your sin may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And you do that as you recognize we're sinners turning from our sin, turning to Jesus while we're embracing, believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so as we're turning from our sin, knowing that we're sinners, embracing and professing, the professing is saying, yes, I want him to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a step of faith. We come to know the Father through Jesus Christ who saves us. Now, Christian, let me ask you. I don't know what you're facing this, this day, this week, this month, through the, this year or the next year. We don't know. Will you trust him with your worries? Will you trust the Lord with your worries? Remember, he knows who you are. You need to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. Relax, resting in the promises of his word, casting all your care on him, and refocus, realizing that it's all about him and let us just bring glory to him. And then... Let us resolve to be obedient to him and to move forward in faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you you have every situation that we're facing. Nothing shocks you. Nothing surprises you. You are anxious about nothing. But you are our father who loves us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would have your way in our hearts and lives today. Lord, maybe we need just to release some anxiety, some stress, some worry to you this morning. Father, maybe there's someone who needs to release that anxiety of the fear of death because they do not know where they'll spend eternity and they need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, whatever the case may be, as we come to this invitation, we pray you'd speak to us and draw us to yourself with decisions to be made. If there are those who need to know Jesus, Lord, let them come and we'll be glad to pray with them, to invite Jesus into their heart. Lord, we pray also those of us as your children. Lord, we confess before you that there are anxious moments in our lives. And many of those times is just because we've lost sight of who we are and what you've done for us and who you are. So, Lord, we pray that as we come to this time of invitation, you would help us to remember. But also, Lord, that you'd guide us to make decisions of obedience, to surrender, to recommit our hearts and lives to you and yield our lives to you afresh and anew. And so, Lord, may you have your way as we come to this time of invitation to draw us to yourself for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to